welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part six in the series, The Armour of God. This is the evening session of Sunday the 2nd of August 2009, and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Here's Pastor Russ Iveson. In Ephesians chapter 6, begin reading from uh, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pick up tonight in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girded out with uh, truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And we saw in verse 13 that absolutely all things, having fully been accomplished, uh, appropriated all of the uh, armor bits, appropriating all of the uh, miraculous power in the Lord and the and the and the presence and the inherent strength and power, knowing the tactics of the enemy, every possible preparation is complete, uh, fully worked. Paul says, "Continue standing, continuously abide." Uh, Stenai is the second aristocratic infinitive. Uh, at that pinpoint, when all preparations are complete, continue standing. And the second arist has the, has the augment of the imperfect. It's a linear action. Continue standing. Continue abiding. And then he says, stand therefore. Stete own. Own being the uh, conjunction of consequence. Therefore, uh, why? Well, because of the thrice repeated command. Stete, again, the two person plural, uh, the members at Ephesus, Paul's readers. Uh, the, the second aorist active imperative is a command to act, but it's a continuing action. And it's, and it's the main verb of the verse to stand, to abide, to continue. In verse 11, Paul commanded to sink into the armor that was, that was God's, that we would, uh, 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 receive the enablement to stand, to abide, to continue. And, uh, against all of the treachery and all of the trickery, all the gimmickry, all of the sleight of hand, all of the tactics of the evil one. We're commanded in verse 13 to withstand, to stand against to lean into the opposition. And having fully, completely, absolutely all the, uh, uh, performed all and done, continue to stand. Continue to stand. We're not to surrender ground. 
We're to continue to lean into the enemy. If ground is given, if ground is surrendered, he's the one that should do the surrendering. But now, in our text, we're, we're standing in anticipation. The strong uh, uh, implication then is that we are not caught unawares. We are not taken by surprise. We've not been blindsided. Having your loins girt about with truth. Parazusa manoetan osfun umun en aletheia. Parazusa meno here is the nominative plural masculine eris middle uh, participle. Uh, the, the subject of the, of the verb is the readers. And here's an action the readers are to take concerning themselves before the main verb, before they continue standing, before that they stand. Peri is the preposition, the around or through, and uh, zunume is the verb to bind about with a belt. Parazusameno is to gird oneself all around, uh, to fasten on one's belt. It's something that we must do before standing. Tain Ozfin is the accusative singular feminine article and noun, the loins, the hips. And uh, uh, for the soldier, the, the girdle was leather with metal studs and plates upon it. And uh, it is, it's drawn securely uh, about the hips and, uh, and uh, secured with a, with a buckle. And uh, it gathered the, the tunic uh, uh, that, uh, that it was not loose and able to be grabbed onto by an adversary uh, in hand-to-hand combat. It, it tucked it up in so that if, if he's chasing the enemy, he doesn't wind up doing like I do, frequently tripping over it. And, uh, and uh, the other parts of the armor are secured by it. Uh, thereby keeping all the armor in its proper place. The breastplate is secured to it by, and the sword hangs from it. Interestingly, though, the loins, the hip, the pelvis, that joins the legs, it supports the spine, it's the floor that holds all the internal bits in place, uh, it's the foundation and the strongest point of the body, we're told. Each of us is to have our own loins girded about. Our text literally uh, Literally would read here, continuously standing, therefore, having girded about the loins, yours in truth. The moon's the genitive plural, two-person personal pronoun, your preposition of a, of a of possession. We girdle our loins. And is the preposition in. Aletheia is the dative singular feminine noun. It's the indirect object. It defines how we girdle our loins in truth, in verity. An interesting passage uh, in Luke uh, chapter 12 and uh, verse 35. Luke chapter 12 and uh, verse 35. The Lord says, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he shall return from the wedding, that when he cometh and uh, knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. 
Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. In context here, we see the command in verse 31. He says, Seek ye uh, the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. We see in verse 34, uh, Where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. In verse 35, Let your... Uh, 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 let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. We're to be girded. Our lights are to be burning. We're to be in readiness. We're to be prepared. We're to be vigilant. Interestingly, this is a passage that is aimed directly at the tribulation Jews and saints. Verse 36 talks about the Lord returning from the wedding. He's coming back from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 37, when He comes, He will uh, gird Himself and will serve. Verse 40, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour that you think not. We don't know the time of the rapture. And therefore, we do not know the time of his glorious return to take the throne in Jerusalem seven years later. He's talking about being girded. He's talking about being ready. He's talking about being vigilant. He's talking about being watchful. The first piece of the armor is the girdle of truth. Truth is the anchor that secures all the rest. If you don't have a right foundation, you don't have much. Truth holds to the strong point. 110 times our noun aletheia is used in the New Testament. Uh, truth is significant. Truth is important. Truth is the foundation. Matter of fact, truth is incarnate. John 1.14 and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth comes through Christ. John 1.17 For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The truth sets us free. John chapter 8 and verse 32 the Scripture says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But notice verse 31. And said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The key is abiding in the word of truth. It's not hit or miss. It's not here today and maybe again next week. We need to be faithfully abiding in this blessed book. And if I can so say, we need to have a systematic plan to be through this blessed book every year. From cover to cover, from the first in in Genesis to the last amen of the Revelation, every year. Christ is the truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Spirit 
of truth is the indwelling comforter. Verse 16 of John 14. And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. And Elon Paracleton, another of the identical same kind. I will pray the Father, that he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I submit to you that the ministry of the Spirit of God is to lead us into all truth in God's Word. The Spirit of truth guides to truth. John 16, 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. And He will never, ever, ever lead you contrary to this book. He is the author. He leads you according to this book. He didn't come to cause us to get all kinky-haired and froth at the mouth on the floor. He all came to guide us into truth. He came to mature us in Christ. He came to equip us to stand. We are sanctified by truth. Again, in the true Lord's Prayer, John 17, verse 17, he says there, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We, have a, we live in a day and an age when anybody and everybody in politicians, government, everybody on down says that there are no absolutes. I beg to emphatically differ. There are absolutes and they are right there. Thy word is truth, and it's forever and ever settled in heaven. And when we stand before the Lord and the books are opened, one of those books that's going to be opened that we will give an account of is what we've done with this blessed book. We better hide it in our hearts. We don't understand this girdle of truth. As the doctrine of the gospel, Paul wrote to Titus, the embattled young Baptist preacher, chapter 1, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. The doctrine of this blessed book, the truth of the gospel. You know, Foundational to understanding, we need to be saved. In Ephesians chapter 1, picking up there in verse 12, Paul writes that, ye should, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. I like that verse. Biblical believers aren't here today and gone tomorrow. The redeemed abide 
were sealed by that spirit of promise until the redemption of the purchased possession. But Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. This blessed book is to grow us in Christ. David knew God wants the truth in our hearts. He says in Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Or we find in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21, the truth is in Christ. And he says here, If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. But our text continues in verse 14. He says, And having on the breastplate of righteousness, having on the breastplate of righteousness, Kai andus, uh, andus amenoi ton thurakat says de kaiosunes. Kai is the cumulative conjunction and. He's just following on. And dusamanoi is the nominative plural masculine aorist middle participle. Again, a simple action, a one-time action. The subject Paul's readers take concerning themselves before the action of the main verb, before that they stand. And dusamanoi is to sink into a garment, to invest with clothing, to array, to clothe. We read it having put on. No one can do this for us. We must put it on ourselves. We must sink into it ourselves. No one else can get saved for us. I can't get saved for you. You can't get saved for me. We all must come personally ourselves and trust Christ. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul records for us there, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Paul uses Abram as our example. And he tells us of Abram in 4 verse 23 of Romans, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom shall be it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But we must come. We must accept that salvation that's provided. No one can do it for us. We must buy into it, become a plank on ourselves. But he goes on, ton thuraka, the accusative singular masculine article and noun. Literally, it means the thorax. It means the chest. It is a corslet, a medieval piece of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of armor covering both the front and the back of the body. It's called the breastplate. We do see one in Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 5. 
There was a rather short-complected fellow there that got into a tussle with another. 1 Samuel 17, 5, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 sequels of brass. And, uh, but the words coat of mail, Sharyon Kaskiseth. Kaskiseth is male, the, the scale of a fish. Shayon is a corslet as twisted or a, a brass plate, a coat of mail. Uh, the Septuagint translates coat of mail, thuraka, the very word that we use in our text. This breastplate was a leather shirt from the neck to mid-thigh with metal bits sewn on or riveted on to it, overlapping like the scales of a fish. Earlier days, they were uh, extra layers of leather. Later, they were interlocked brass or uh, iron rings, and we called it chain mail. And, uh, but this breastplate was actually like a shirt. It covered all around. We see our word thuraka not only in our text, but we see it also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. And Paul records, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. And the two here are connected. In our text, our breastplate, we're told, is righteousness. Tez dikaiosunes. It's the genitive, singular, feminine article and noun of the righteousness. The kaiosunes is equity of character. It's righteousness. It's justification. The historian Polybius wrote that in his day, the thorax was called the heart protector. I like that. One with me, please, if you would. Back down to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59, we'll pick up reading with verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your, hand, your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. You know, from time to time, people get in trouble because they believe literally the Word of God when it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. If we have a safe haven in our hearts for sin, that does indeed break fellowship. Believer won't lose his salvation, but it sure busts up fellowship. It's kind of like a husband and wife, and she burns the toast, and he gets all upset, and and then questions her ability to cook, and walks out and without giving a kiss. He comes home that night, and he's liable to be greeted with a frying pan. Sin separates. He says here, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. 
Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness, none calleth for justice, uh, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. The act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are all thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Wheresoever, uh, whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Uh, Isaiah is describing Jerusalem. They've got a good stiff dulce religion, but they're still murdering the infants. Still murdering the newborn. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness. But we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as we, as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation but it is far off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and for our, as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and, and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood and judgment is turned away backward and judgment standeth, justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. He that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey and the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness had sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Where was the clergy? Where was the priesthood? Where were the Levites? Where was the teaching of the truth in the synagogues throughout the land? Where was the word of God in the temple? The religious leaders had forsaken their God-given trust, the priests and the Levites. And God looks down into, into, into Ju Ju Judah and there's no one to stand. So he clothed himself to provide a way. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Today, it is Christ who is our righteousness. Uh, Jeremiah records over in chapter 23. And if I can read my writing, I think that says verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. Uh, let me back up 
to verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah seeking you. The Lord is my righteousness. Here he's pointing to the millennial return of Christ. But let me take you on a brief tour of where we find our word dikaiosune, righteousness. Let's pick up in Romans chapter 1. We're talking about the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate to which righteousness belongs. Romans 1.17, the Scripture says here, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And there we see Dikaiosune used twice. It is righteousness and it is also the just. The just shall live by faith. Or we can look over into Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 3 and uh, verse 11, and we will find Dikaiosune there two times. But that no man is justified by the law of God and the, uh, by the law on the side of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Again, justified is the, the word. Just is the word. The just shall live by faith. We are not justified by the works of the law. Or we read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. And there it is, it's just. The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. When a man honestly and truthfully professes Christ, he abides, it transforms his life. We see in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins that just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And there we find it, Nikaiosune is the word just. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins that just for the unjust. Christ is our penal substitute. Or we look in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, in the verses we're going to look at, it's there four times. Dekaiosune is. Romans chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, four times we are going to see Dekaiosune. Romans chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, 
going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ met the demands of the law on the behalf of the sinner, which is how that he can be our propitiation, as John records in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, picking up verse 1 and 2, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He paid the debt. He paid the price. He made it possible for the Father to be propitious, to be merciful, to be forgiving to those who would but believe. If our heart is righteous, if we've been saved, not only is Christ our propitiatory sacrifice, He is our advocate and the accuser has got to go through Him. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, picking up verse 30 and 31. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And there, dikaiosune is righteousness. But you'll notice that all we need, we find in Christ. All we need, we find in Christ. And if we've trusted Him, if we've called upon Him, if we've been regenerated, when the false accuser comes to attack us, It's Christ who's our advocate. It's Christ who's our shield. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him, the Father hath made the Son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Father sent the Son The son so loved that he willingly obeyed. He paid the price and he lays his perfect righteousness to our account. We are justified through him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
You know, years ago, I had to come here on a job. And I worked in the American Embassy for a brief time. I didn't get to meet the ambassador, but that's all right. I figure I outranked him anyway. I'm an ambassador of Christ. That's better than being an ambassador of the queen. But yet, if we're, if we're saved, we've got a message from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're his ambassador. We need to be carrying that message spot on, letter perfect, telling others. As one evangelist put it, one beggar telling another beggar where there's bread. We, we know the bread of life. We find in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul records there, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And three times we see our word, dikaiosune, in that verse as justified. Well, we can see it. Titus chapter 3, picking up in verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And there we see it as righteousness, and there we see it as being justified. The righteousness of which we speak is defined as that quality bestowed by God's verdict when He, which acquits us of all sin and guilt and declares us righteous for Jesus' sake based upon the merit of His substitutionary work upon the cross on our behalf. And those who accept this gift by faith we're going to get promoted because one day we will be able to trade the breastplate for a robe. Revelation 19, picking up in verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And I would submit to you that that righteousness of saints, that fine linen, clean and white, is not something of our own purchase. It's not something of our own merit. It's not something of our own manufacture. It is the imputed righteousness of Christ that Paul told us of in 2 Corinthians 5.21. But notice, notice, In verse 11 of the same chapter, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. 
and in righteousness declares Sunni. He did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew. And I tell you, the reason that no man knew it, because when he comes this time, nobody's been in the Word of God because they have actively rejected the love of the truth, and that is why they don't know his name. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's the same crowd that's over here in verse 8. That's you and I, if we have on the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, we come back with him. And we are arrayed in white robes, fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And when the Lord of hosts comes to establish all rule and reign and righteousness, we will reign with him. We will ride with him. We shall see him as he is, but we shall be like him. The same King of kings and Lord of lords says, He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Have you let him equip you with that breastplate of righteousness? Have you let him place his righteousness to your account? Have you owned in and taken possession by faith? Are you sealed with that blessed spirit of promise whom, when we are saved, takes up residence right here in our heart? Are you shielded? Are you kept? and the nail-pierced hands of the Savior, which are in the hands of the Father. Because he and his Father are one, John 10, 30. Do you have that armor? If not, you need to come. You need to receive that gift of eternal life. You need to let him take the bill of sin that condemns you and add it to his cross and lay to your account his impeccable righteousness and receive that new birth that you can ride with him. Do you have that robe? Or will you have that robe? Will you be able to trade that breastplate for that robe? If not, you need to get it settled. You need to get it settled. Christ pleads, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know him? Do you have that robe laid to your account? Would you come? Mm-hmm.